Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, as always. Go to the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com. A lot of updates, uh, pretty busy time for Michigan football, Michigan basketball, a couple weeks around the corner. Uh, you know, football's still our probably top priority right now. I just posted, for those interested, a film review, continuing our discussion, looking at what went wrong for the Wolverines at Wisconsin. Two stats that really stood out to me. Well, actually, there's three. Uh, one, Michigan had 11 rushing yards before contact in 13 carries on Saturday, which is just unbelievable. You know, we talk about the run game needs to be better. The run blocking needs to be better because those running backs didn't even have a chance. And then Jonathan Taylor got brought down just 12 times that he was brought down to the to the ground on Saturday in 24 touches. Another unbelievable stat. So either he did the whole forward progress thing, got sidelined, or scored. Um, so quite a lot lot to work on for Michigan. And let's let's jump into that discussion because. Frankly, and you said it just before the show, so I'll let you say it again too, but this week, Michigan plays Rutgers. If Michigan loses, the season was never anything, this this team was never bought in anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But I'm I'm assuming that they're going to win. And so, Steve, this week I think is about Michigan not necessarily restarting or reigniting, but maybe, maybe getting further grasping what they want to be this season. And we'll we'll dig into it a little bit more, but this is also a, a game that's very much about kind of the emotions of the season. How do you how do you control things when things get out of control? How do you how do you grab the steering wheel back? You know, I think this is a huge test for Jim Harbaugh. I think it's a huge test for both of his coordinators, Don Brown and Josh Gaddis. It's a huge test for Shea Patterson. And and then also that defense. You know, this is a. I I think every just about every team Michigan's ever had has lost one game, and you know I think I think Devin Gardner might have said it earlier this week. He said you know the first loss, it's the second loss that's really the dagger in the season. Your first loss, your season isn't over, and so it's how you respond to that first loss. What do you do with it? Last year, Michigan lost in week one. It wasn't quite as bad as the loss to Wisconsin was, but it was still pretty bad. And then they responded, rattled off 10 straight wins, and were, were in every, everything was on the table heading into the last week of the season. So um, big response week. You know, I know the players talked a lot about being punched in the mouth. That's the common phrase that they've been using. So do you fall? Do you fall to the mat? You know, have a glass jaw? Or do you, to continue the analogy, get up and, and go down swinging? So... Big, big need for a response, and and Steve, I know you said it, didn't mean to steal your thunder there, but just before the show, you're talking, this is Michigan, Michigan's kind of playing itself this week. It's got to show that it, it itself, it's got, to, it's an internal battle, because um, there's a there's a long season ahead with a lot of tests. Unless this team just really isn't that good, this is not supposed to be one of those tests. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the opponent is going to be the opponent. I, they are facing Rutgers at the right time, I think. Uh, like you know, the other thing I'd mentioned was a nice little sort of progression of tests coming up until the next. I would I would say. Well, I I, I shouldn't. Why am I dis? I'm dismissing Iowa a little bit too much. But they do get them at home, where again they just outside of the game against Army, uh, Michigan has usually looked crisp at home uh-huh. under Harbaugh, right? And so yeah. it, they've always just looked different. And so then you you have uh, Iowa at home after this week, and then you go on the road against another inferior opponent. But again, it's on the road uh, in Illinois, and then you go to Penn State. And so I think this week, yeah, is much more of a – because Michigan could come out and score 60 points on Saturday. The film will, could look good. Um, the, you know, everybody could be – happy who cares beat Ohio State right and that's but again but (laughs) But it's true at at this point Zach that stuff is I think it's much more important no no, I didn't yeah I know you mean but that that will be the response if they come out and obliterate them right so I think yeah I think this Saturday it's much more about can Michigan please themselves with their performance you know can they go into the film room on Monday and Tuesday 
and be satisfied with what they saw on both sides of the football, right? And so, you know, that's where every, I mean, every game is important. This game against Rutgers is way more important than we maybe thought it would be this early in the season because, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing if Michigan had lost on Saturday. It's another thing to lose the way that they did. I mean, those stats you mentioned at the beginning are horrible, uh, especially within the context, especially that offensive stat when you consider, again, four all Big Ten starters returning up front I mean just a pitiful against a really a defensive front who was starting a true freshman at nose tackle and really I I you know I don't think that Wisconsin's front at least their defensive line not going to be one of the top what four or five that they'll face you still have Iowa's um, Iowa's got yeah. I, AJ Epinesa is better than anybody in Wisconsin's roster sure um, Notre Dame's got Khalid Kareem, Dalen Hayes, uh, Okwara, Ohio State's Ohio State with Chase Young, who might be the best pure just yeah. football player in the country. And then, of course, Michigan State, who might have the best front seven in the Big Ten, you know, with Willikus and Raquan Williams. You know, and again, Wisconsin's good. Again, I'm not trying to. I think I'd put Wisconsin just a little ahead of. I put Wisconsin ahead of Iowa. Oh, man. I think it's a push with Penn State, but still. Well, even then, I didn't even. I didn't even mention Penn State. I didn't even mention Penn State. You know, and think about that with Gross Matos. I mean, I'd say every one of those teams I mentioned, plus Penn State, has at least one individual player that's better than anybody on Wisconsin's front line. Yes, that's absolutely true. You know, and so, um, and that's where it's like, wow, you know, because again, I, I, I think you consider how well Michigan ran the ball last year against Wisconsin. You know, there's been this almost like a back and forth between these two programs when they play that one team just seems to just obliterate the other team on the ground uh, in, in a given game. You know, I go back to, I don't remember, was it Rich Rod or Hoke where Wisconsin ran the ball like 30 straight times or something like that, or like ran the same. Yeah, it was Rich Rod. Yeah, you know. I don't think Hoke ever faced Wisconsin, true, actually. True, true. So, yeah, that's right. I know there was that gap there. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, this, this Saturday, it is. It's much more about the stuff that, fans media that we won't maybe see or hear uh after the game right and because again i think uh you know yeah things are on the precipice i mean i'd say even if they struggle if they do struggle in this game on saturday i think i think we're in a real danger territory i mean they're ta- they're already in danger territory and the idea that they can't if any of their preseason goals are to be realized they can't slip up again um i guess maybe outside of losing to Notre dame they could still battle for the Big Ten championship, but, uh, you know, going to the playoffs, which is really, I mean, let's be honest, laughable to consider at this point, uh, is still, mm-hmm. it's still, it's still alive though. I mean, as far as the technical sense, cause they do play such a, a tough schedule going forward. Yes. But, you know, I think, like I said, I think what we see on Saturday will be more about maybe what we don't hear about or what we won't be able to write about. Uh, you know, it'll be more of the, where's the confidence at in the locker room, Where's the confidence at in the coaches, you know, on Harbaugh's part regarding, yeah, like you said, each of his respective coordinators, you know, because that's all we talked about in the Wisconsin recap was just how out of sorts Michigan looked offensively, which is inexcusable for such a talented and, and experienced unit. So, um, so yeah, I mean, all these games are meaningful, and, and this is a much more meaningful game against Rutgers than Michigan has maybe ever ever had against them, at least that I can remember. So. Should well, be a, they yeah 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 should be interesting. Oh, it's definitely the most important game they've had against Rutgers. I mean, we well, are, they were in a similar spot two years ago, but they had they had suffered. Was it the first loss or the second loss? Because uh, they played Rutgers last year, or no, in twenty seventeen, also coming off a loss. Um, I think, I think that was after the second loss, though. But yeah, this is more important than I think anybody could have possibly expected. And as you said, it's internal. And so we'll we'll try to tackle this in a few different ways, but what I'm curious about, and maybe this is this is probably a better question for our listeners to maybe ponder too, so feel free to weigh in afterward. But what I what I'm my angle previewing this game is what can Michigan show? Because they don't get to beat Ohio State Saturday, they don't get to take back the Wisconsin game, they don't get to win the Big Ten and clinch the playoff on Saturday, they don't get to prove it on the road or prove it against a good team. So is there anything Michigan can do? And, and that's rhetorical. Of course, there are things Michigan can do. But what sort of things can Michigan do 
on Saturday t- for for you and I to believe that Michigan is not in as much trouble because I think it'd be it'd be hard for me to be convinced that they're not in trouble if they no matter how badly they beat Rutgers but what sort of things can you look at and let's start with the head coach Jim Harbaugh because I I kind of I've been pondering on this on this thought because people constantly are asking they've been asking basically since 2016 is Harbaugh different he seems different but this is a big week for him because no matter what happens or no matter what the rumors are, whatever, a team is going to be divided in a giant blowout loss. They always are. Every, every No team has ever lost by, you know, or been down by five touchdowns in a game because they didn't technically lose by five touchdowns. But no team has ever been spanked like that with high expectations and not had some divisive moments afterward. And so this is a big moment for Jim Harbaugh because, you know, there's a lot of, lot of skeptics, not just of the team of him. And, and we're not, we're not even going to discuss, you know, the different hot seed. Is this he playing for his job? No, but he is, he is for his entire season. What he built the entire off season for is hanging in the balance. And he has to rally this team and get everyone on the same page. You know, he has to have a moment kind of similar to Bo Beckler's The Team, The Team, The Team speech. He's got to have something like that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a speech, but in how he coaches this team, there has to be something where he's able to unite this team again. And I'm not saying that they're divided or there's trouble in the locker room. I just know because every player who's played football that I've talked to has said, after a loss like this, you know, there's going to be finger pointing, there's going to be blaming, there's going to be consternation about this player at that position or or this or that. So this is a big chance for Jim Harbaugh to unite the team. And frankly, you know, I don't I'm not involved in practices or anything, so I don't actually know if he's formally changed. But I do remember covering the team in 2015-2016 and covering it since then, and it has changed. And I think I think he always one strength that I thought he really had at Stanford and and uh, San Francisco is that he had a very youthful energy in his coaching. I mean, he's the guy that came in a little a little too hot with uh, with the handshake after beating Jim Schwartz. So the guy that I mean, remember he was mic'd up I think for the Orange Bowl, and he sounded like a quarterback out there. He didn't sound like a head coach. He sounded like a quarterback. And so I do wonder. I mean, that's you know that's who he is. He's he was always known as a very fiery, lower your shoulder player. I don't know that he's necessarily changed from that. But I think one thing I'll be looking for is what does he look like, body language, what he's saying, maybe some of the speeches they post online, what we hear about from players after the game, what we hear from Jim after the game. Is this is this a – because, you know, the whole team's doing soul-searching, and I don't think Jim Harbaugh's unique from that. I don't think he's exempt. I think he's soul-searching too. And so I'm curious to see what he looks like. Um, I don't know about you, Steve. I, I feel like – I don't feel like he looks like the same coach that he was when he was leading Stanford to unforeseen heights and upset wins and, and leading San Francisco to somewhere that they no one ever expected them to get to that quickly, you know, beating uh, the Patriots in Foxborough, you know, all these all these different things. I think I, I'm curious to see what kind of fire Jim Harbaugh comes out with on Saturday. Um, again, I don't think that's why they lost 35 nothing. But this is a big chance for him to kind of reestablish the identity of this team, the culture of this team, unite the team, uh, and and get them in the right headspace. Because we were just talking about it, the defensive fronts they have to face this year, every position's like that. You know, everyone says, oh, Jonathan Taylor's a generational talent. Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of players that they still have to face that look like generational talents. Wisconsin might be the best offensive line, but there's a lot of other good O-lines. There's a lot of other good running backs, quarterback, receiver. I mean, just go down the list. They face, what, five other top 20 teams this year? Notre Dame almost, you know, they put push Georgia to the brink on the road. Ohio State looks as good as they've always been. Penn State, you have to go at Penn State and do it. Michigan State looked pretty solid, stomping Northwestern on the road. Curious to see what, what the coaching staff looks like. Not, not even necessarily from an X's and O's perspective, although I'm curious about that too. 
But what what's the demeanor like? What is the what is the attitude and the identity of the team on Saturday? Uh Steve, what's something you're looking for from the coaches? I mean, I'll go more the other route with the Xs and Os and just looking for some cohesiveness offensively. Mm-hmm. Um Again, what we saw on Saturday was coming off of a bye week. You know, and that's where it's can can that can they can they all get on the same page in like what four yeah. more practices? You know, it's just uh right, and that's where it's, I, I'm interested. The biggest one of the things I'm more interested to see in game wise on Saturday is let's say they come out of the gates and maybe struggle a little bit. I'd want to see how they respond from a situation like that. I think if they come out and struggle to begin the game, not necessarily even a turnover. But let's say they, you know, don't move the ball well the first couple drives. I think sure. I think that how they respond to even that will we will learn more about what this team is going to be by the way that they could respond. So, but not saying that, you know, if they do come out uh on fire, or they come out, you know, play crisp ball to begin the game, you know that that's that's what you want. I mean, I'm not saying, hey, let's 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 see them go through another negative situation to learn what they're all about. I mean, they if you know because if I they, mean, kind of though, <laughs> right? But if they do come out crisp, then you. I mean, again, we know the opponent, so nobody has to lecture us about who they're playing on Saturday. But if you know if they do come out crisp, that's that's a potential that's a building block for them. I think again, a lot of this could just be a. I think a lot of the film work coming off of this game was just a lot of unsuredness um not confusion but like just maybe a step off in a lot of areas you know and I think building some I'm I'm more looking at the offensive side of the ball still and I know the defense was very poor on Saturday Uh, I still feel like with more seasoning that that unit is still going to be by and large okay uh will they be what they've been in the past under Don Brown it's hard to imagine that unless, again, they find an answer in the interior, which is a whole different subject. But offensively, I think, is where – because, again, I think we'd agree going into this season, this was going to be the year that Michigan's offense was going to be carrying them and that the defense was going to be solid, but that they weren't going to be, yeah, a top five, top three type unit, no matter what we heard you know, from them during spring and fall ball. And instead, it's – you know, it's just been an, a disaster all the way around. I have more confidence in how the in the defense fixing itself as time goes on than I do the offense. So, for me, it's about how they come out offensively, and if they do struggle early on offensively, does it manifest itself? You know, and does it does it just spiral out of control with you know again disagreement, infighting? You know, again because that's you know that was the other thing. You had a lot of guys that want the ball. They're not doing a good job of getting it to them. The offensive line has been the regression there, or at least the what we've seen so far has been regression compared to what we saw last year. Uh, just really, just want to see how they come out offensively. See if they see if they do change anything stylistically at all. You know, I think the one of the kind of ironic things was I think that one of the biggest complaints was that they weren't giving Ben Mason the ball offensively and then they do and now that was like this big hmm. like thing now that oh I can't believe they gave him the ball I grant I granted I know it wasn't third and one but at the same time you know he's a guy that people have been clamoring for to get, get back on the field offensively it fails and people now are almost kind of backtracking and criticizing you know them for using Ben Mason in any kind of situation so just interested to see if, if the approach changes or if they're gonna if they believe in what the scheme is and if they fine tune anything or you know I mean that's really what I'm looking towards that like I said that and then if they do struggle early how they respond because I think we'll be able to see very quickly how they do you know if they struggle I think I you know if they come out of the gate struggle and it just and it downwards and there's a downward spiral and you can just see it on the field then then you're at like code red level for this team and and right. really the program by effect at this point, you know, with that type of deal. So uh, going to be, it is, like I said, this is more, much more, at least it's made Saturday more interesting for people, I guess. I mean, that's a, if mm-hmm. trying to find any yep. kind of silver lining here, but um, 
you know, for people to tune in and actually watch the game is like, I'm interested, you know, adversity, you know, will either break you or make you, I think. And so we're going to find out what Michigan's made of, I think, on Saturday. Mm hmm. Well, to talk about a little bit more position by position, some of those things, let's just jump into our under over unders. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Uh, so far, you beat me out last week by one, so I have a one-point lead over you on the season, 23 out of 38 to 22 out of 38. Uh, these Under Armors of Under... Over-Unders, goodness. Sponsored uh, by Under once again, Armour. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're, uh, they come from Neil, good, good listener of the show, provides them each week. So first off, 17.5 completions for Shea Patterson. So Dylan McCaffrey, it sounds like he's out with the with a concussion. You know, Joe Milton has been mentioned throughout the week uh, when asked about by by players, and then Josh Gaddis would be surprised if he didn't play. I think we actually have a Joe Milton one later on. Seventeen and a half. I I'm gonna take the over. My you know the head the head part the calculate calculative part says take the under, but. I think uh, – no, I'm going to take the under. I I think this is a game where Michigan wants to at least feel something in the ground game. I mean, Christian Turner, I don't think he was ready for that Wisconsin game. You know, as, as I don't mean to pick on him or anything, but I think he – you say the Rutgers game came at a right time. I think they could have used one more tune-up, ga- tune-up game before they played Wisconsin uh, to kind of – one non-weird, non-Service Academy tune-up game before they played the Badgers. Technically, you're supposed to figure that out in the bye week if you're Michigan, but I could see them trying to establish the run because they kind of, they, I think they have a sense for what they have in the passing game. I have, I have qualms about players. They should be more willing to break off routes or they should be designing different kinds of routes that are more over the middle, but... I think they know what they have there, so I'm going to guess that they go a little bit more with the run game, and I'll take the under on 17 and a half completions. Steve, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with the over. I mean, if you are going to hit your wagon to Patterson, we know McCaffrey's probably not going to play, and yeah, Milton may play, but I, I you know, if they're going to go anywhere, it's going to probably Patterson's probably going to have to be the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I don't think they've shown much in the passing game at all. Gaddis mentioning that they're managing Charbonnet. I, I think that they're going to, I actually think the opposite. I think they're going to go even more pass heavy on Saturday. Cause really could argue one of the, the biggest knock. I know that's the stat that you read at the beginning is a pretty damning stat as far as the run game goes, but they also couldn't protect Patterson either. So I'm leaning more towards that. They're going to try to fix things in the past. I mean, they're going to try to fix the whole, stinking thing but right <laughs> um but i think i think you'll see a little bit more of an emphasis on the pass and and i you know 17 completions not that many you know i, I don't think so I, in a game like this i think the opportunities should be there and like i said we'll learn if they're going to be there or not but i'm going to go with the over for him on this one i, I just if not now when i guess in, in that regard, that's a very good question you know yeah and and one thing to keep in mind with it is if you're Michigan and you still are trying to win the Big Ten title, you don't get to pick and choose when you when you bring it out. I mean, you've got to build this identity because at some point you're going to go 
to Happy Valley or you're going to go to I mean you're going to host Iowa and, and you might be in another dogfight and you have to know your team has to know what what they want to do um, and they have to know what they want to be and how they're going to do it I mean the two minute drill the, the the two times I've seen them do it right before halftime now right before halftime is a little it's kind of a weird two minute drill but it has been pitiful I mean they haven't they haven't done a thing. And so, yeah, in that sense, might go with Patterson. By the way, Patterson is averaging uh, just under 17 completions per game this season. So, yeah, I feel comfortable. One. I feel more comfortable going with the over than in that case. Okay, I just, I just think they have to throw the ball. Yep, maybe, maybe. Next one, 174.5 yards rushing by the running backs. Ooh, that is tough, tough, Neil. I don't know if Charbonnet's going to play. Or how much he's gonna play, um, you know. It's and I don't know what True Wilson's status is either. So, does that mean Christian Turner's gonna get? I don't. Th- I don't think Christian Turner's getting 170. Right. Five rushing yards. Um. I. Uh, but suddenly I can't. I can't predict the score I want to predict if I'm saying Patterson won't complete 18 passes and the running backs won't rush for 175 yards. Right. I'm going under. I, I'm just going to undercut you on that one. I'm I'm a hard under on that one, I think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to uh I'll say consistent, right? Be wrong be wrong in both both ways. I'll I'll say the over. I don't know who gets what. That is a lot of yards for running backs who haven't done it yet, but I mean there was a time I mean Christian Turner did almost get 100 yards against Florida in the Peach Bowl. He's shown flashes running yeah, the ball. Yeah, so it's not. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm not saying it's a. It's a. I know I said a hard under, but it's. I mean, it's possible. He's shown. He's shown it in flashes. And again, this is an opponent where if you execute, the opportunities should be there. So. Mm-hmm. I'll say. I'll say over. Oh boy, twelve and a half passing targets for Tariq Black and Nico Collins. So, I think I am not. A receivers coach, but and I didn't have the all twenty two film. But one thing I noticed against Wisconsin is that I think Ronnie Bell. You know, we've mentioned he clearly has a chemistry with Shea, but it, it felt like and I don't know exactly what everyone's routes were, but it felt like he was probably the best on the team as far as breaking off of what the designed route was and like sensing when Shea was ready to throw the ball. And I think that was something that I think that might be part of why Nico Collins' passing targets are so low. Because, yeah, 6'4", dude, who can catch every 50-50 ball, seemingly. Yeah, you'd think, you think he'd get a lot more targets. I am going to say under, but with the caveat that if that Michigan should try to take what happened in that fourth quarter and replicate it. But I'm just going to say under. They've got a lot of different receivers to throw to. Um you know, I'm sure this is a game where they're trying to, if, if, again, everyone was mad at the media for pumping up Mike Sainer still, the team believed that he was someone that could contribute right now. And this is probably a game where it's it's time to get him involved. Um, you know, anyone, any some of the other underclassmen might be a good game to, to get their feet wet a little bit. I'm going to say under on 12 and a half. I'm going to go over. I think okay. as much as I think they want to get could you know would like to maybe get Sane or Silla or Giles Jackson more involved. I think at the same time you got to figure crap out with the guys that you're going to be riding with in the big game still. And mm-hmm. you know, so I'm I'm going to go with the over on that one. And uh, I think again, I mean, I don't at this point. It's like if they're again if they're not going to feed Collins the ball now, when are they <laughs> going to? You know, because he. <laughs> Just like I've been saying it for three weeks, treat them. They need to start treating him a lot more like Braylon Edwards, and they haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. And um, but again, I, you gotta be watching the film, thinking, you know, one especially, and that's why I would say one positive for Michigan offensively has been that Bell has emerged, because you gotta think at some point that is gonna open up, like it'll go the other way. Where we what we always talked about is that the attention given to the other three guys would open things up for Bell. Well, now Bell is a horrible missed call away from having, what, back-to-back 100-yard receiving games, correct? 
Uh, I think he, he had 81 against Army. He's had a couple very. If he's he's like a couple steps away from being a all American candidate right now. Honestly, yeah, like a missed throw against Army early in the game, and then a, a bad call. Uh, you know, on and the, then the on couple the, that went off his hands in the end zone and right in, against Middle Tennessee. Right. Is it's almost could maybe work the other way where it's like. You know, defenses are going to have to respect his abilities a little bit more. You know, and that that push pull was part of why I thought Michigan's passing offense was going to be incredibly difficult to stop this year. Especially, we knew that Bell was having a great fall camp, especially. You know, and that that like I said, that push pull between the three guys that many, everyone talks about and Bell would go back and forth. Where if he started to produce, and you got to respect him too, and all of a sudden you got four legitimate guys just at receiver alone hmm. you know and so right. i'm wondering you know like i said i think as much as it'd be beneficial for them to get some of the younger guys involved i think they just they need to figure crap out with the guys that they're gonna need in the bigger games down the road so over okay long long-winded over that's fine interesting that we have a clear philosophical impasse of what we think is going to happen so far we're we're disagreeing on three of them so this will this will separate the uh the, the fray a little bit all right one and a half tight ends with at least one reception so it sounds like sean McKean's not going to play uh i gotta think nick eubanks gets a catch do they do they mix in another one in the passing game i'm inclined to think so that's kind of a kind of a coin flip type but i will I don't know, maybe Eric All, maybe Mustafa Muhammad, maybe Luke Shoemaker. They tout up, you know, they, they you know, they've said that they they feel like they can go 5 deep at tight end. I know that's that's August talk. It is August talk, yeah. Yeah, but someone else, I mean, it's not going to be Nick Eubanks playing every snap and running every route, right. so I'll take the over. I will too. I think I think Eric All will be the second guy. Yeah. Yeah, they're playing I don't know. him. On, I mean, they're playing him on the goal line already. I mean, he did against Army. He had a good block that sprung one of the touchdowns. I mean, that I, it feels like so. You know, I think we'd reported multiple times that the real battle at tight end in the fall at fall camp was all versus all in Muhammad for third for the third tight end spot. And I mean, by usage alone this year, it's hard not to say that all's got to be the guy that's out front. I mean, we have, it was Muhammad barely played. I feel like so. Um, and I know all was on the field quite a bit, at least late in the game last Saturday. So I'd have to go. I mean, if there is a second guy who's going to make that play, I think I think it's going to be him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, next one. One and a half sacks allowed by the offensive line. That is a low over-under, but Rutgers is averaging one sack per game. And they have played um, Boston College, Iowa, and then UMass, if I'm not mistaken. So, so, um, you know, I I just one and a half is really low. I'll say under. I'll say under. I, I think I think Michigan's offensive line, arguably deservedly so, is taking a taking a beating in the among among critics and skeptics. And I think I'm sure Ed Warner is digging into that group and saying. This has got to be, you know, this has got to be the better. This has got to be better. Curious how they how they block some stunts. I mean, Wisconsin even did a couple spin moves to get by guys, and it worked way better than I, I think a defensive end doing a spin move should ever work. Uh, that was a little little bizarre. Shea doesn't help necessarily in the sack avoidance because he does hang on to the ball for a long time. Whether it's him, the play calling, or the receivers, that's up to your own judgment, but. Uh, they hang on to the ball a long time in the passing game, but I, eh, I gotta say over. That's that's just too low. That's too low of a number. I know Rutgers doesn't have a great pass rush, but to predict that one or zero sacks allowed in a game where we're expecting them to at least throw the ball around a good amount, I'll say I'll say over. I'm gonna agree. I'll go over. Yeah, if, you, if you'd said two and a half, Neil, I might say under. But that's just that's just too low. Uh, two and a half passes completed by Joe Milton. Don't know. This is speculation. I think they. I think they're gonna have him play some. 
you know, reward him for, for his work as the second-year, third-string quarterback. I think, I think you know, not knowing how long McCaffrey's going to be out, you might need to have him as ready as possible when they play Iowa. Because you just never know when you're going to need your backup quarterback. And uh, you certainly would rather see what they have in games than in practice, at least if you can control it. So I think I think he completes at least three passes. Steve? I'm going to agree. I think that's – and my logic is the same as yours. He's your backup quarterback right now who has very little experience. You have Iowa coming in next weekend. Yeah, I think you want to get him some reps to get him ready in case – you know, he's needed in that situation. Cause yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. with the concussion stuff, it's, it's a day by week by week, day by day deal. I mean, McCaffrey could be ready next by next Saturday, but you don't know. So you got to have your guys properly prepared in that, in that case. All right. On defense, 3.85 yards allowed, uh, 3.85 yards per carry allowed. Um, over. Okay. I think over barely again. That's one of those like junk time type stats. I feel like where they could be, the game could be well in hand and they might break a run late in the game. I mean, that's, that's, so I'm going to say over just not just for that reason. I'm not saying that Rutgers can't, you know, but they haven't shown that they can in legitimate time. I just, I think you get to garbage time. You throw the young guys out there. This again, one thing people also have to remember. And again, we, I know Michigan's got a lot of issues, but there is the four game red shirt rule still. So if they come out solid or play well against one of these inferior opponents and have the time and the reps, some very inexperienced guys are going to get a lot of playing time. So, um, and I think that's more likely defensively than it is offensively. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I, I could foresee a scenario where, you know, maybe late in the game they sustain some kind of run and, and get, get just over that number. I'm going to say under because I, I think sacks count in this. I, uh, I assume Neil is not doing sack-adjusted yards per carry. They held they held was, held Army pretty low. Wisconsin, they did not hold low. Isaiah Pacheco... He's all right. Raheem Blackshear can can do some ball carrying as well. He has about as many uh, rushing attempts as as uh, as receptions this season. It's just not a good not a good rushing attack. And I think as a team, they're averaging about four yards per carry this season. I think Michigan can stop the run a little bit more than that. Because you know, I remember they they the Boston College team they faced that was a team that got blown out by Kansas and. Maybe Kansas isn't what they used to be, but I think Michigan is better than Kansas right now. Uh, so I'm going to say under. I think this is, uh, again, if if, it, if we're talking sack adjusted, maybe they break one or two. I just don't think that they're going to be able to do much before those garbage time snaps. Uh, 50.5 completion percentage for Rutgers quarterbacks. Sounds like McLean Carter is doubtful with a concussion, so it's up to the Arthur Sitkowski show. He has completed 61.4% of his passes this year, but I'm taking it under on the 50%. Steve? Same. I think that's yeah. one. I think that's the easiest one we've had so far. Rutgers passing stats against Michigan is just unbelievable, yeah. at least under, under Harbaugh. Uh, next one, 2.5 points allowed in the first quarter. Hmm. It's a good one. Yeah, that's got me thinking because so far they've given up a touchdown in their opening drive, the defense, every single game this year. Wow. Two of those were based off of turnovers. But does Michigan turn the ball over again? I mean, they have 11 fumbles and, what, two interceptions this year? So certainly certainly some precedent that it could happen. I'll say under... I think things go relatively smoothly for Michigan in the in the first quarter. I think they're able to to kind of prove their point in the first quarter and change. Could be wrong, but that's just that's just the that's my rationale for them not allowing three points in the first quarter. Steve? No, I'm gonna agree too. I think uh, yeah, I think they'll. I suspect they're gonna get off to a better because you know the. The thing about the turnovers is, and I know some of them have been self-inflicted, but there is just the fumble luck idea too. I mean, not every mm-hmm. one of these early turnovers has been some, 
you know, just complete breakdown. I mean, some of them just been some helmets on some balls and and some flukish, you know, like I said, fumble unluck. So I'm, I'm I think Michigan kind of that stuff smooths over a little bit. I think they hold them scoreless in the first quarter. Okay, next one. 13.5 tackles combined for Jordan Glasgow and Cameron McGrone. Don't know what to make of that one. Oh, we did get a question. Oh, I don't I don't have it up in front of me, but it was kind of asking about kind of hinting more at the why no more McGrone. Oh, here I pulled it up. Uh, through three weeks, why hasn't Don Brown used two natural linebackers at once versus Wisconsin? It would have been nice to have seen Josh Ross versus and slash McGrone or McGrone slash Gill instead over overutilizing undersized Kalik Hudson, Jordan Glasgow together. So I don't necessarily, I mean, Hudson and Glasgow are making plays. Right. You know, I saw McGrone. He missed a pretty bad tackle. Uh, Ross is, uh, he had the stinger against Army and he had, uh, I think something ankle related happened in, in the Wisconsin game. So we might might see more McGrone. Maybe Neil already knew that, and that's why he did Glasgow and McGrone. But, yeah, it is an interesting – I mean, it, it didn't look very good against Wisconsin. Nothing did, but it did seem like they were a little undersized at linebacker. So, yeah, does McGrone, someone who's like 235 pounds, does he add something? Can Devin Gill, who played a lot more last year, it seems like, than he is right now. Agreed. Uh, could, he, could he provide maybe some – some size or some more tackling efficiency. Uh, as far as this question, Glasgow plus McGrone, uh, I will say under. Kind of a guess there. Not not quite sure. Hard to tell what. Unless am I am I missing something on? Was there a declaration on Ross's status or anything? No, I'm not sure he's going to play. I mean, he was in a boot. So I'm right. not sure that, you know, if that's just overly precautionary, but he, I mean, he didn't return against Wisconsin right after he went out. So yeah, he exited the previous matchup with a foot injury. Right. Um, so, so I, I mean, I still would take the under there. I think it should just to hedge the bet there and say, I'm not a hundred percent sure that is McGrone necessary. I, again, I, I, I can see why yeah. I can see why he'd be the guy that I think people are sticking to that play where he, that he made on Cone at the goal line as like, hey, this guy can play. But like you said, there were a couple other more miscues. Like, you know, that the thing with McGrone, I know that we've reported this multiple times, has definitely showed it in flashes, but is still kind of learning how to play consistently. And I think that's what's kept him from maybe a bigger role. But yeah, I mean, talent wise, I suspect he would be the guy to maybe if if Ross doesn't play, that he'd be the guy that would see not Jordan Anthony who well, stepped just in against Army. Not no, not that. More so okay. the idea that they if they do shift things more around, that McGrone would be the maybe the next guy because yeah, Anthony would play for sure. I yeah. mean, he even met with the media this week, didn't he? So yep, yep. So if you subscribe to Availability Theory, patent pending, yeah, it's he's he's in for a big week, right? So I was still gonna take the under though. That's just a, that's a lot. It's a lot of tackles. Yeah, Glasgow's only averaging eight tackles a game not i mean certainly i don't mean it to, to be like oh it's only eight per, but no in the context of the over still, under i mean yeah yeah um yeah still making plays still actually leads the team in sacks um any thoughts on joe's question about why I go undersized because it it is notable i mean you know Kalik hudson's weighs in or listed at 220 glasgow's listed at i think 226 not exactly what you'd think of for your for your linebackers. I mean, to not not a power totally out of position. What's that? To try to stop a power running game with one of the best backs yeah. in the country. I think that's fair. Um, but Glasgow's not somebody I'm going to quite – I mean, you could argue he's been the defense's best player so far this year. So Yeah, him or Uche are, yeah. are my picks. Yep, his inclusion in, in any scheme right now for them is, is not a bad thing. Um Hudson, like you said, has made plays, but again, is I think is just still plagued by inconsistency. Um, I agree, though. You know, in that given instance, does that mean that it that they would bring that out against Rutgers, though? Not necessarily. Rutgers doesn't have even their guys that do run the ball, or there's not a Jonathan Taylor walking through the door. Not even, of course, not by skill, but not even really by style. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know if this would be the right. game where you would 
you know, it almost feels like, yeah, that that lineup would perform better against a team like Rutgers or a style like Rutgers than it would against, you know, like you said, like a Wisconsin where they're. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> some guys who can beat some of the angles. Cause, cause I, I got to imagine Rutgers is going to run a lot of, a lot of screens, a lot of bubble screen type plays. Yep. Cause they've got receivers who can, or they've got running backs who can catch. Yep. They don't necessarily have running backs who can do what Jonathan Taylor does. They got a couple receivers too. I think that can make plays in the short passing game like Bo Melton I think has had a really good yep. year who Bo Melton was a guy that Michigan did like you know I think he was one of the few four-star level guys that Rutgers has reeled in in the last few cycles but he's a he's a good looking player so yeah I think I agree I think a lot of maybe dink and dunk type stuff and then hope to break a couple tackles and and take one to the house but you know I, I the linebacker question I don't know I mean it's hard to answer week in a week to week I think, yeah, it's obvious you could say now that they should have done that against Wisconsin, but I don't know if that means you'll see it more maybe against Iowa, right? I mean, Iowa's got the, you know mm-hmm. much more of a throwback style play. Maybe we'll, I think that'd be the better time to maybe look and see, you know, do they go that route against a team like Iowa versus what do they do this weekend? Yeah. Yep. Something to keep an eye on. I, I, I like the question. I agree. Uh, I my it's, answer... a fair, it's a fair question. Yeah, to make some some a longer discussion, sure. I think they're just they're the best playmakers, you know. And sometimes, sometimes you're stuck like that. It's college football. It's not the pros. You don't get to go sign, you know, everybody that you want. You know, sometimes you just have to. Some years you don't have a Devin Bush there. You know, maybe maybe it's a tweener year for Anthony or McGrone, or maybe it's it's a tweener year for the position. And I mean, they moved Glasgow inside. Uh, you know, Don Brown, he was funny when I asked him about it. He said uh, he moved inside because I told him to move inside. But because he was someone that knew what they were doing, he, he knew how to be in the right place, and he knew how to make plays in practice. And he's showing that a little bit in games. Anyway, next question, four and a half sacks and interceptions. So combined sacks and interceptions for Michigan. I'm going to take the over. I think this is a, ha- a very easy Havoc game. Havoc, of course, including tackles for loss and turnovers forced. Um, in in addition to sacks and interceptions, I, I I don't know who's getting the sacks or who's picking passes off, but Sikowski, I think he has what twenty interceptions in his career, and he's and he's the backup this year. Last year he threw eighteen picks compared to four touchdowns. Um, the offensive line is worse than last year. General my my opinion, I don't. No good offensive line stat to back that up, but yeah, I think I think Michigan's going to be able to get a lot of lot of pass rush, and I think that's going to cause both sacks and picks. I think this is a this is going to be a box score friendly defensive performance for Michigan. I, I got to agree again. Take the yep. over. Last last one, three and a half three and outs forced by the defense. I I think this is a relatively easy over. I maybe I'm. Maybe my stats are wrong. I mean, because even Wisconsin had oh nope they just had the one, but they had they had a couple that were close to it. Um, yeah, I think they forced four three and outs in this game. Seems seems almost too easy. Yeah. I feel like Neil knows something we don't know. No, I think <laughs> hey he's he's you know prime he's prime to slip up one every once in a while with a with a easy one. I kind of feel like so I'm I'm gonna go with the. Uh, over as well this is the home game against Rutgers equivalent of yep yeah no that's a good way to put it <laughs> we had we had 12 most of them were were tougher uh feel like feel like this one we got that's our that's our gimme anyway um finally score prediction for the game Steve do you have one ready uh I think I said I haven't said anything yet. I haven't posted anywhere. I've been going back. I mean, I don't know, like 37 to 12. Okay. So I think well, Rutgers barely covers. Yeah. I, I think that 28 point spread or whatever it is, it, that just seems so high for a team that is, that is really struggling to put up points. I think it's going to, or not put up points, but str- well, t- I guess so. I was thinking do well. Teams that's really struggling should end the sentence there. I was going to say something in the neighborhood of like 38 to 20. I just don't know where Rutgers is going to score. Because I keep, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, Michigan. Michigan's not going to fix this overnight. 
right? Their problems against Wisconsin, they don't get to go into Schembechler Hall and, like, turn on the light switch and say, okay, time to go. You know, the the whole, they've been punched in the mouth, they want to punch back. But it's going to be more of a gradual thing because they have serious problems. It isn't, they weren't, they didn't forget to show up to, at Madison. They were really excited and confident and believed in themselves and then got beat really badly. And so I think there are some problems that won't be fixed overnight. Offensive chemistry and cohesion, as you mentioned, is not necessarily going to, that's not, you don't snap your finger and, and do better. So I'm going to say, I'll say 30 to 10. I don't, I don't keep going back and forth. I feel like Michigan could put on the points a little bit more. I feel like they could hold Rutgers offense. I think they, I think, what was it? 42 to seven last year. Um, So it's, it's a little different, but at the same time, I don't know if Rutgers is going to score more than one score. I don't, I don't know enough. Um, They do have a really good punter, by the way. He's, he's looking really good so far. Might be, might be battling Drew Chrisman and Will Hart for punter of the year. But um, they didn't score against Iowa. I got to think Michigan can put up a similar type performance. So I'll say I'll say 30 to 10. That's what I'll do. Anyway, uh, so we're both predicting wins and sizable wins. And, and we'll keep an eye on, on some of the other things. And we'll discuss it all on Sunday, whether Michigan proved anything to itself, to us, to you guys as listeners. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. 